welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast Weekly News Review. I'm Managing Editor Joe Abraham, and here are some of this week's top stories. Public Health Services continues to work to get more people vaccinated as the more contagious Delta variant of COVID-19 becomes more prevalent. In a county-issued press release on August 10th, it was announced that there was an 80.5% increase in positive cases and a 108% increase in the number of people in quarantine from the week prior, which has put the county in the Federal Centers for Disease Control's red zone or area of high COVID transmission. There's also been a jump in hospitalization. Public Health Director Nancy McGraw said, quote, it has historically been older folks, over 55 and 60, ending up in the hospital for the most part. But suddenly, we have quite a few people now in the hospital who are between 19 and 44. This Delta variant is changing the landscape of what we're going to start seeing, and we do need to be more concerned about younger people who are not vaccinated. McGraw also expressed concern about what is going on in the South, with the increase of pediatric hospitalizations due to the virus. We don't have a pediatric intensive care unit in this county, she said. If we have children who need to be admitted for COVID, they're going to be out of the county and their families are going to have a hard time traveling to see and stay with them. So the best thing we can do right now is vaccinate and encourage everybody to wear a mask to protect everyone. There's also been a push to vaccinate 12 to 17 year olds, especially with school starting in a few weeks. McGraw said they've been working very closely with the school superintendents group, providing them with some guidance and interpretation of the CDC's recommendations. Back on the topic of vaccines, McGraw noted there's been a lot of misinformation spreading on social media about its effectiveness. However, only 1% of fully vaccinated people are dealing with a breakthrough COVID-19 infection in Sullivan County, according to McGraw. She said, quote, this shows that vaccines are doing their job, and if you're concerned about catching coronavirus, think how much more vulnerable and exposed you'll be without vaccinating. In the same press release issued on August 10th, the county stated that approximately 39,000 people out of a year-round population of 75,498 have had at least a dose of the vaccine. According to the CDC's website as of August 15th, 47.5% of the county's population has been fully vaccinated, while 51.9% had at least one dose. With COVID-19 statistics continuing to climb locally and nationally, Sullivan County Manager Josh Potosik issued an emergency order reinstating facial mask-wearing requirements for employees and visitors to all county buildings. The emergency order took effect at 8 a.m. this past Monday, August 16th, and will remain in place until further notice, applying to everyone, whether they're vaccinated or not. Shifting gears to education, SUNY Sullivan President Jay Quaintance in opening remarks at last Friday's ribbon-cutting and reception for the new Homestead SUNY Sullivan Collaborative College High School at 202 Main Street in Hurleyville, explained that early colleges, much like the Montessori movement, share the principle that quality educational opportunities need to be provided to help students become the best versions of themselves. The new partnership between SUNY Sullivan and the Homestead School seeks to continue to advance that principle, which Quaintance added, quote, doesn't always mean fitting into traditional educational models. Quaintance said that's something the Center for Discovery also understands and provides, thanking them for offering the building, which was recently used for their technology hub and incubator, Think Lab, which is moving to Rock Hill. Homestead's new senior high school program will build upon the advanced studies and hands-on learning of their Montessori K-9 school, and in collaboration with SUNY Sullivan, will offer college courses for ninth grade students beginning this fall. Also speaking at Friday's event were CCHS Director Jack Comstock, SUNY Sullivan Board of Trustees Vice Chair and Center for Discovery President Dr. Teresa Hamlin, Town of Fallsburg Supervisor Steve Viglianti, 
New York State Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther, and SUNY Chancellor Dr. Jim Malatrus. To learn more about the new school, call 845-856-6359 or send an email to info at homesteadeducation.org. In other news, the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office announced on Friday that they made an arrest in connection to a structure fire that occurred earlier this month. As previously reported in the Democrat, firefighters were called to the scene of a structure fire at 428 Fraser Road, which is across the street from the Kayamisha Bowling Alley in the town of Thompson on August 2nd at about 1.40 p.m. The Sheriff's Office stated that firefighters who were on scene evacuated seven residents from the multiple occupancy dwelling, including an 11-month-old infant and a 59-year-old man who was trapped and suffered burns. Sullivan County fire investigators said that the fire appeared to be intentionally set and requested assistance from the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office. On Wednesday, August 11, deputies arrested Charles James Ellis, 28, of Kayamisha Lake. It is alleged that Ellis, who the Sheriff's Office said is a member of the Bloods Street Gang, intentionally set the fire to cover up the burglary of a room in the building. Ellis was taken into custody in Liberty with the assistance of the Village of Liberty Police Department and charged with felony counts of arson, burglary, reckless endangerment, and assault. He was arraigned in the town Thompson Court before Judge Sharon Jenkwick and remanded to the Sullivan County Jail without bail. Sheriff Mike Schiff said this was a serious crime that could have resulted in multiple fatalities. It is reported that embers from the fire were falling into the crib of the 11-month-old child when firefighters arrived. Schiff said, quote, the structure was an old rooming house that the fire moved through very quickly. Our firefighters did an outstanding job and saved lives. The 59-year-old male resident who suffered second and third degree burns was transported to Westchester Medical Facility and is expected to recover. Sheriff Ship acknowledged Deputy Sheriff Corey Dixon, who took the lead in the investigation and eventually tracked down the suspect to a residence in Liberty. Assisting the Monticello Fire Department at the scene of the on August 2nd were fire departments from Rock Hill, Wurtsboro, Woodridge, Liberty, Livingston Manor, White Sulphur Springs, and Hurleyville. The Port Jervis Fire Department also assisted along with the Bethel Fast Team, Sullivan County Fire Investigators, Mobile Medic EMS, Hackensack Air Med 1, and the New York State Police. Shifting to some of the stories in today's paper, residents of the Beechwood section of the town of Delaware turned out in full force for Wednesday night's planning board meeting to hear a presentation about a proposed 60.3 acre, eight lot subdivision plan for the former Long Farm at the corner of Lux and Gable Roads. Although not a public hearing and just in the preliminary planning stages, residents not only got to listen to a presentation by Kevin Wall of Riley Engineering, but also got to meet the owner of the property, Gavin Freeze drove up from New Jersey to attend the meeting. The initial project idea that the subdivision would contain dozens of homes was substantially cut back, and Wall explained that the eight lots in the current plan will average 5.8 acres in size, with the smallest being 3.5 acres and the largest seven or eight acres. There will be five new entrants built off Gable Road to allow residents access to their properties, Wall said. To learn more about this development, check out today's front page and the story by Fred Stabber III. Over in the town of Liberty, a group of town officials, business leaders, and local residents met at the Senior Center on August 11th to discuss their 2021 downtown revitalization application. Now in its fifth operational year, the downtown revitalization initiative, started by Governor Andrew Cuomo's office, is expected to continue under incoming Governor Kathy Hochul. In previous years, the program granted $10 million to one community in each of New York's 10 regional economic development councils. Due to the program being postponed last year while the state dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic, the money from 2020 carried over and each region is eligible for up to $20 million this year. 
In addition to the town and village of Liberty cooperating on an application, the village of Monticello plans to submit their own as well. Town of Liberty Supervisor Frank DeMeo said the town and village of Liberty are working together on a joint application since proposals that demonstrate cooperation between different local governments and organizations carry more weight. DeMeo said, quote, We have two governing jurisdictions, the town and the village, but as a people, we're unified. By remaining unified in our endeavors, I'm sure that we can enhance our way of life here. To learn more about their efforts, see editor Matt Shortall's story on today's front page. And finally, in Fallsburg, the Luxor Junior Estates Project was once again the subject of a public hearing at the town's planning board meeting on August 12th. The project is seeking a site plan approval for 100-unit condominiums. This 42-acre development is adjacent to an already existing Luxor Estates development near Loch Sheldrick. The development is also seeking to build a community building and swimming pools, among other things. The project has remained dormant for the past three years, according to the Fallsburg Building Department. The project has been in development since 2007 and was last seen in front of the Fallsburg Planning Board in 2018, according to a memo submitted by Delaware Engineering Senior Planner Helen Budrock. Many residents attended the in-person planning board meeting and many more watched virtually via Zoom. Those who spoke during the public hearing, either in person or on Zoom, spoke passionately about their concerns of overdevelopment on the site, stormwater runoff into the lock, and increased traffic around the community. To learn more about the development and what happened at the meeting, check out reporter-photographer Patricio Robio's article in today's paper. That does it for today's episode of the Sullivan County Democrat podcast. Remember that you can check out more podcasts such as this on our channels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Have a great weekend, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week.